You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Well, good morning. Welcome yet again to Grace Community Church. So grateful that you chose to be here and worship with us this morning. You cannot believe how appropriate the words that we sang just now. I will wait for you, your soul, surely your, your joy, your love is my delight. Uh, when we're talking about the Good Shepherd. A couple of things I want to mention. Next week, uh, Mission Fair, 6.30 to 8 p.m. It's going to be a packed hour and a half. You're going to get to know about our missionaries. And I want to encourage everyone, everyone who can possibly be here, to be here. Thankfully, Joe is in the country. That was beautiful, wasn't it? Uh, as he led us in, in at the Lord's table this morning. Um, I, I think the thing that struck me many years ago, especially in my relationship with Joe and Stefania, was how that people from other countries can say the same things that we believe and say, but they say it in such a way that it opens up truth to you uh, in ways that you had not seen before. And that goes perfectly with what Joe was saying about how the body of Christ um, edifies itself and one another. We edify one another in the body of Christ and why we need one another and why we have to fight against the individualistic tendencies that we have because we live in this land of individual freedom. So thank you very much, Joe, uh, for leading that. So be here next Sunday. Several of our missionaries will be here. Ricky Mill will be here that we prayed for today. Tom, thank you for leading us there. <coughs> and I, I think a couple of others as well from Amazing Grace Adoptions and and probably Hand of Hope, and maybe some more. But please be here next week. And then one last time, let me just mention South Wake Bible Institute. We had our first classes this past Monday night in Fuquave Arena. Uh, but it's still time to get in. Gina Damaris, who is with her husband and children, gallivanting all over the United States of America, out west, uh, is going to be picking up the class when she gets back. We were able to do that because... The classes are recorded. You can pick up a recording. David or Jeff uh, can help you on that. So three classes. Share the load, shepherding, what it means to shepherd and help other people and how appropriate today that we're in this text. And this class talks about ways that you can help share the shepherding load that the elders carry with counseling. Another one of the classes is Romans, the book of Romans. Is there anything, any book in the Bible more important to know than Romans? John is one of them that's way up there. Romans, I would say Hebrews, most people, it's a ways before you get to Hebrews. Genesis, but Romans, the gospel is laid out in a systematic way like it is nowhere else in the Bible. And then um, there's also a class some of you are taking on how to understand and interpret the Bible. Once again, very important to your understanding of Scripture and thus your understanding of Jesus. So Monday night, tomorrow night's the last night you can get in, but Jeff, David, Neil, any of those guys can help you get registered and settled in a class.
So let's turn our thoughts to John 10, where Jesus is interacting with a lot of people uh, that are in the area when the healing of the blind man in John 9 took place. There is no break there. When you think of Jesus' days on earth, how do you envision him? I mean, do you think of him as kind and gentle or as serious and intent? I think before Linda, who I'll mention again in this, this sermon, my wife Linda, first wife, uh, before she told me how she pictured Jesus, I always pictured Jesus as very serious, walking down, and then he would stop, and the disciples would sort of back up, and he'd say, Behold, the fig tree, now a parable. I just sort of thought of him in that way. Her favorite picture of Jesus was the laughing head of Christ. And she said, I can just see him going down the road with his disciples, slapping backs, joking around. And, and I think she's right. The more I get into the word, I see him that way. Do you think of him uh, maybe feeding the masses? Is that how you picture him? Or do you see him using a whip to drive out the money changers at the temple? Depends on your personality, maybe. Do you think about Jesus debating with Pharisees? Or do you see him sitting on a hill, interacting easily, laughing and interacting easily with children? Maybe you see him raising Lazarus from the dead. Or you see him being beaten and turned over to Roman soldiers who crucify him between two thieves. But you know that death cannot hold him. So you join the women or you join Peter and John at the tomb. And you delight with them as you are told that Jesus has risen from the dead. As you know, Jesus is all of this and much more. If you're attending Grace Community Church for the first time, uh, I will tell you that not only are we going through John, we've been in John all year long, and today we begin chapter 10, where Jesus will claim to be the good shepherd. Jesus as the good shepherd was, is one of the most endearing images believers hold in their hearts. And when my wife, Linda, was diagnosed with a brain tumor, the first words out of her mouth were, this did not take God by surprise. She said it over and over that first night. It was about 2 a.m. in the morning at Rex in the ER. And they told her she had a brain tumor, and I think she understood it much more than I did. And the lady says, and it's big and it's deep. And I'm thinking, we'll be able to take care of this. They'll be able to get this. I think she knew, though, and she said, this didn't take God by surprise. And rather than blaming the Lord for allowing her to suffer and to die much younger than any of us would have wanted, she rested in the care of her shepherd and pictured Jesus over and over Picture Jesus carrying her in his arms as a shepherd would carry a little lamb. I don't suppose I've ever seen faith in action quite like I did as Linda went through that illness. But it was not her faith even, but the faithfulness of the good shepherd that carried her into eternity. 
Today's text is John 10, verses 1 through 21. But for our initial reading, this morning we're going to just read one verse, John 10, 10. It is a familiar verse to many of you, and hopefully it will be an encouraging verse to all of us by the end of the message. So if you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> and I will be reading John 10, 10, one verse. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I, Jesus, came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The New International Version, I believe, says, have life to the full. Let's pray. Father, You've called us to this place <clears throat> to worship you, to worship Jesus, whose death we have heard the meaning explained so beautifully this morning. And Jesus died that we might have life, but not only life, but have it abundantly to the full right here and now. I was thinking, I don't think this often because my mind is on so many things that have to be considered for Sunday mornings. But coming over here, Lord, you just led my heart to rejoice in the fact that as Allison and I traveled over here today, praying as we always do for the service on Sunday, that we have purpose on Sunday morning. That we're not thinking of this as a burden or a distraction or keeping us from doing something that we want to do. But you have called us together to worship you as one body in Christ. And so this morning, open our hearts and lift our hearts in praise and worship. And may we hear from you words of comfort, and may we commit to follow the Good Shepherd all the days of our lives. And it's in His name, the name of Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Thank you, and be seated. So before we get started, I just want to lay out a few foundational principles for working through this text. And these principles are going to serve somewhat as the application. So if you want to write these down and go back and Work through the text later <coughs> yourself. You may want to do that. First, as always, as always, context is crucial. This text from which we derive so much comfort is as much about a rebuke of the religious leaders as it is a word of comfort to the weary. There is no break, as I've already mentioned, between John 9 and John 10. You recall what happened in John 9? The man who was born blind was healed by Jesus. And uh, the Pharisees called him in and said, what's going on here? And he's like, well, the man healed me. Well, he's a sinner. He's look, he's look, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. I can tell you this. I was blind, now I see. And they say, give glory to God and resist him. Tell us how he healed you. And he's like, really? You want to be his followers too? The man mocked their insolence and their, and their blindness. And they angrily threw him out of the, the temple and the synagogue, and that meant he was cut off from Jewish life. And so what Jesus is doing 
in John chapter 10 is recalling several of the passages in the Old Testament where God said, these are my sheep and you were shepherds who were tasked to take care of them and you're doing the exact opposite. You're living for yourselves. You're not living for these sheep. You're not protecting them. You're not caring for them. And I rebuke you. And so Jesus is very much rebuking them in the spirit of Ezekiel 34. Many texts in the Old Testament that, that Jesus is thinking about, and believe me, they are thinking about. Now, we wouldn't know that unless somebody told us or unless we knew the word incredibly well. But Jesus was saying words that would resonate with them, but not in a good way. They would understand what he was saying, but they knew it was a, a rebuke. So, you're going to study Ezekiel 34 in home groups this week, but that's all we'll say about it here. Second, uh, there are mixed metaphors in this text. So, go with the flow rather than trying to craft a clever lesson. In other words, say, okay, he's the door and... He, in one place, Jesus is the good shepherd who enters through the door. Another place, he is the door itself through which the sheep must enter. Uh, and even though you'll understand this point, and you could make the connections if you force it, why force it? He, he doesn't present a clear structure that allows you to say, here are the five things Jesus is pointing out to us. But if you will go with the flow, however, you'll likely be able to conclude, here are the five points that Jesus wants us to understand. I mean, we'll get there. It's kind of like getting the right answer on a math problem. Some of you know what that's like. I don't think I've ever done that. But, but you get there the wrong way, and the teacher says, ah. So let's be careful, because if you get there the wrong way, that'll become your practice. Just go with the flow. Number three, and this is crucial. You will be confused and hurt if you make this about you. Now, I say this a lot. And you might say, yeah, well, yeah, that's true, but think about it. The scripture is about Jesus. It's about him. But he is all about us. But we don't come to him so that we can gain. We go to him because of who he is. And in our worship of him, he pours out blessings on us that we will never, ever be able to receive if we're making this about us. Does that make sense? This may be the closest thing in John 10 here to the parables that are in the synoptic gospels. Once again, your understanding of the parables will increase dramatically. And you may say, I've been going about this all wrong. When you understand that in the parables, God is always the active agent. And they, these parables are about Jesus and about identifying who belongs to him and who does not. The parables are not initially intended to give us wisdom for life. Are there lessons in life, uh, uh, about life in the parables? Oh yeah, absolutely there are. And are there lessons that we can learn from John 10? Yes, but Jesus' parables are not Aesop's fables. If you place yourself at the center of this account, 
where Jesus is the good shepherd. Now, we're going to get there to the benefits, and it's a, been a, a, an unbelievable blessing. But if you place yourself at the center of this account, well, just think about it. What kind of animals are sheep? Bright animals or not so bright? We, we know they're not so bright. When we follow our dreams, and how many times do you hear it? Every day. Follow your dreams. Or when we demand that Jesus be the good shepherd of our desire or our imagination. Sooner or later, we will begin to question his leadership and his care. Well, maybe he's the good shepherd for Chris Pope, but he's not the good shepherd for me. Fourth, abundant life is deeply personal. Does that sound contradictory to everything that I've just said? It's true. Abundant life is deeply personal, and it is now regardless of your circumstances. We're going to spend some time on this when we get to verse 10. Fifth, there is no life without death. The good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. When Adam and Eve sinned, they immediately began to die. From the earliest days of our existence, we are beginning to die. It's a result of sin in the world. And the consequences of sin extend far beyond the grave. God can no more allow sin to go unpunished, sin in his presence that is unpunished, than we could allow a serial killer to live in our home with knowledge. Would you do that? If you knew even somebody in your family is a serial killer, you've got to turn them in, right? God cannot allow sin in his presence. Don't be thinking, well, who does he think he is? He's God. He's God. And he's perfect. What a blessing to know that Jesus laid down his life for the flock. He died so that we might live. Let's get into the text, beginning with the first verse of chapter 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, it's important what he's going to say. I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them. But they did not understand what he was saying to them. There are several opinions about the sheepfold to which Jesus referred in the first verse. The best guess is that he was referencing a communal pen that had a, a large stone wall, or at least the front there was a stone wall, and there was an opening in the wall, and there was a high wall all around so that predators could not get into the flock and steal or kill the sheep. Um, <clears throat> so there were several different flocks in this communal 
pen overnight. Uh, with the wall all around it, it, we have to understand that anybody who's in this pen without going through the entrance shouldn't be there. He has no business being there. That person is a robber and a thief seeking to do harm to the sheep. In the morning when it was time for the sheep to graze, the shepherds would stand outside the sheepfold, and each one had a special call for the sheep, and they would call them by name. Come, Dolly and Fluffy. Come, Penelope. Now, if these were Mike Moneypenny's sheep, and I'm out there calling Fluffy and Dolly, they're not coming. They're, they don't recognize my voice. And so they're going to have nothing to do. They know that I'm an imposter, and they will have nothing to do with me. But Jesus, when Jesus calls your name, you will know it. When I was a teenager, I've told you this in different ways, different forms, and different times. I, 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 many times I tried to straighten up my life. Many times I tried to, what we used to say, turn over a new leaf in my life. But when Jesus saved me, I knew immediately. I mean, the next day I thought, I, I want to tell people at school, but I've tried this so many times before. I couldn't help myself. I was telling like three people, I, I, I gave my life to the Lord last night. I didn't know how to articulate it. And Jesus completely turned my life around. Because when he calls your name, you'll know that he's calling you. I wonder if this is what so many people see when they're dying. And they look up in anticipation. I mean, sometimes I hear about people seeing a mom, a mother, or a loved one who has gone before, and I've got no problem with that. Sometimes I hear people talking about, I see Jesus. I see Jesus. The good shepherd is there calling his, his child home. You see the connections, don't you? Even though the religious leaders did not understand at first, it's clear to us that Jesus was saying his true followers would know his voice and they would follow him rather than the legalistic religious leaders who did not have the best interest of the sheep at heart. Look at verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Now, clearly, Jesus is not talking about Moses and Elijah and Isaiah. He's not talking about those people who have walked faithfully with the Lord, but he's talking about those who have distorted God's plan for us. Joe said beautifully today, that's the message of the Old Testament. I never heard it said like that. That's the summary of the Old Testament law. Do this and live. Just do it. That's all. That's exactly what they said. A lot of people said, do this and live. But when we look back and we see in the New Testament how the Old Testament saints were justified, it was because they believed. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. So you remember <clears throat> that open space at the entrance of the sheepfold 
Jesus says in verses 7 and 9 <clears throat> that he is the door at the entrance of the sheepfold. At these communal pens, one of the shepherds would lie down, or maybe they'd all, you know, have, I, I doubt they had bunk beds in front of the, the, the sheepfold, but at least one would lie down in front of this entrance, and he was the protection against any wild animals that would plan to come. There was no other legitimate way to get into the sheepfold except through the shepherd. This is another way of Jesus stating that salvation is found exclusively in him. The only way we get into heaven is through Jesus. A, a little later, we're going to be told, we're going to read that Jesus says, I have sheep from other flocks that I'm going to call into my flock. Now, that's a beautiful promise to we Gentiles who tend to take this for granted. Once Jesus brings us into his fold, we recognize his voice with a clarity that holds us fast to him. We're tempted, maybe, by other voices in the world, but we cling to him. Those who truly know Jesus and follow his voice can discern when an imposter seeks to lead us down a path of destruction. Please do not follow other voices, even so that they say, even if they say, this is a great shepherd, and he's speaking the language that the culture is speaking, and let's just go follow him. He's good, he's gentle. No, if you belong to Jesus, you follow him and him alone. The one, listen to me. I don't ever say that, hardly ever. Listen to me. The one who would seek to take you away from Jesus seeks to do you harm. Verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So let me ask you, <clears throat> are you glad that life has challenges that you're called to work through. Once again, it may depend on how you are natured. I'd love to see a movie where nothing goes wrong. I, I'm the only person on the planet, maybe, that would like to see that. I just I, I, I don't want things to look like they're going badly, and then all of a sudden they come good, and uh, everybody goes into the sunset happily. Ever after, which is just as much a lie as what I would want to see, is it not that everything goes great? Uh, <clears throat> do you want everything to go exactly <clears throat> as you could design if you were allowed to? Or do you want life to go as soft and as easy as, a, 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 as sheep's wool? Regardless of what we want, there are plenty of people who look beyond that soft and easy wool. They know what's beneath it, and they want to ruin your life. The ultimate thief is Satan, who wants to sink his claws deep into your flesh. In John 10, Satan was, Satan was wearing the robes of the Pharisees, who look like the best people on the planet, but who refused to acknowledge their sin 
and to believe that Jesus was sent from God as Messiah. The Son of God was standing in their presence. It, it was all according to God's plan, but it's so sad to think that God was offering them life and they were rejecting it out of hand. They killed him, in fact. Why? Because it gave them a thrill to have the power to continue to lead sheep. And not just any sheep, God's sheep astray. If we are the continual target of those who despise Jesus, what then does abundant life look like? There's no telling how much the prosperity gospel has affected every one of us. Though we may never seek to buy God's favor with money, even so, we tend to bargain with God all the time. And when things go badly, we're tempted to think, what is wrong with me? Or even worse, we question God's intentions. What are you, what's this about? I've done all of these things, and how come this? And my neighbor, it's all over Scripture. My neighbor, who is a reprobate, just goes through life easy peasy. Not me. Well, let's think about the disciples. Think about when Jesus was arrested. They were living large with Jesus for three to three and a half years, walking around. Even though they cringe sometimes at the things that he said, life was good in his presence. But after he was arrested and crucified, they were in hiding, cowering in fear. After Jesus' resurrection, and especially after Pentecost, though, when they were given the gift of the Holy Spirit, as Neil said a few weeks ago, they were given the gift of God himself. After that, they were joyful and trusted God for everything in their lives, even though their lives went from really bad to a whole lot worse. They were banned from the community. They were beaten and imprisoned. And you remember Stephen? Preaches this powerful message that, that um, points to Jesus as the only Savior of the world. And he, and, and he accuses the Pharisees and the religious leaders of killing the Prince of Glory. And they're stoning him and he's standing there. And he looks into heaven and says, I see the Son of Man standing by the right hand of the Father. Well, this drove him really crazy. And they killed him. Let me ask you this. Was that abundant life for, for Stephen? Yes. It was. It was abundant life. And it is for us. A handful of you remember Jimmy Jones. Who for many years was a pastor in Princeton, West Virginia. Tom, you, you remember Jimmy Jones. He, he told about someone that he knew that once said, Preacher Jimmy, this is a broken world and ain't nothing going to ever go right. No time, no how, no way. Now, it might not have been the best grammar, but it was by large accurate theology. Life is going to be that way, but, but, that way, but we constantly seek to eliminate the bad things in our lives. But we never will. The bad will always be with us. We have failed at insulating 
isolating ourselves from trouble. And we will fail. Abundant life transcends our circumstances. Troubles test our faith at the Lord's direction. But resting in the word and persisting in prayer increases the gift of faith that God has given us. Now think about this. If our faith originates with God, only He can increase it. And so we should pursue the disciplines that He has designed to increase our faith. Abundant life is found only in Jesus. Listen to what He says to us in the following verses. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. Look, I grew up working in tobacco in, in, in the area. And farmers, if they didn't say it, they sort of had the mentality, I'm going to work you like a rented mule. You know what I'm saying? A rented mule. I'm going to work the mess out of you. Then I'm going to give him back. That, that's the way the hired hands were. They're like, look, I'm in this for me. I'm not in this for the sheep. I'm looking to get a paycheck. And if a, if a lion comes, a, a bear comes, I'm out of here. Then in verse 13, he flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. There's this union, this unity between the Son and the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. That's us, Gentiles. That's, that's us. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. God has no plan A and plan B. But if we look at it from human terms, terms, we're plan B. We barely got in. The Lord is gracious to us calling us into his fold. I am the good shepherd. So Jesus says you can discern the real shepherds from the hired hands by the way they respond when the sheep are in danger. You remember what David told Saul? He killed a lion and a bear protecting his sheep. In so many ways, King David points us to Christ, as you're going to find out in Ezekiel 34 in this study. But Jesus was not saying that he was willing to die so the sheep would not be killed and they could live a few more years. But rather... He was talking about us and saying that he would die as a sacrifice for sin. Although no one at the time would have understood the level of his commitment, nor the eternal significance of the sacrificial act to which Jesus pointed. In full submission to the Father's plan. Verse 17. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority 
to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. In Neil Manning's sermon about the Holy Spirit, he spoke of the unity of the Trinity and God as one essence, but three persons with distinct roles. So who raised Jesus from the dead? Joe prayed that, and said the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. Was it the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit? And the answer is yes. I think David pointed us in this direction recently, or maybe it was Neil. Neil did. All three members of the Trinity had a role in Jesus rising from the dead because, again, they're in perfect unity. And that's the point Jesus is making. The Father loves me because I am in full submission and obedience to the plan. There's this incredible unity, and they're all on the same page. But in his humanness, Jesus said, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. That does not detract at all that Jesus was in full submission to the plan. It just means that he was like us and died in our place. So, once again, it's a marvelous plan that not only involves death of one in the place of another. I die for Aaron Strauss so that he can keep living. It's not like that. I, what, he's going to die anyway. But when Jesus died in our place as the good shepherd, it's so that we might live Eternally, not only temporal, but eternal blessings in mind. It is the good shepherd laying down his life for the sheep. And how can this not be the best news to everybody in the entire world? I don't know. It's just that the sheep, there are lots of sheep out there that don't belong to this shepherd. And they don't understand that voice has something to do with seeing eyes made blind and blind eyes made to see. When Jesus said these words, some approved and some did not. Verse 19. There was again division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, interesting, isn't it? Many said, then others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Some were hearing the voice of the good shepherd and some were not. The truth is, many people are going to think you were insane if you find Jesus' words to be God's truth which would make him the only means of salvation. It will always be this way. And if you know Mike and Sarah Rader, Mike is one of our missionaries that we support. Joel, their son, is with us today. We were talking yesterday. Joel lives in Philadelphia, goes up to Boston, talking about how different it is there than it is here. It's coming here. It's coming everywhere. Sooner or later people are going to think you're insane <clears throat> if you believe that Jesus is the only way for salvation. Most, most, if you press it, will think 
that it's crazy to believe that a human being was God and and died to take God's wrath against sin upon himself so that we can live. It's always got to be calculations. If I do enough good works and they outweigh the bad, then I get in. Otherwise, I'm out. Old Testament, Old Covenant. Do it and live. We can't do it. Do you have a personal relationship with a good shepherd? Far better to let people think what they will about you now and to follow his voice, both now and when it's your time to leave this world. So perhaps he is calling your name today. If you're here and saying, I, I, I've never thought about this this way. Maybe, maybe I don't belong to him, but maybe he's, he's calling me. If you have a desire to, to say, yes, I'll willingly confess that I'm a sinner, but I, I, and I believe that Jesus died in my place, then he is calling you. Just believe in your heart. If it doesn't make sense and you want to know more, talk to anybody you've seen on the platform today. Anybody. Talk to the person who brought you. They really care about you and that's the reason that they invited you and, and, and brought you here today. Would you yield to the good shepherd and follow him as he calls you? We're going to close our time by reading the wonderful 23rd Psalm. And I'm going to ask you to bow your heads in prayer. And I'll ask the worship team if they would to come on (coughs) uh, forward. And prepare to lead us. I'm going to read the 23rd Psalm before we sing. Question for you first. What is it that is keeping you from resting in the arms of the Good Shepherd? Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's an employment issue. Maybe it's a relationship that's gone bad. Maybe you said or did something really incredibly stupid and you just can't get over it. Whatever it is, rest. And as I read this 23rd Psalm, just picture Jesus leading you and providing for you and comforting you as he calls your name. It's all about Jesus and he's all about the sheep. Remember, abundant life is more a state of heart and mind than it is a set of circumstances. Worship the Lord in your heart. Father, may these words of Psalm 23 bring life to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. For his name's sake.
Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. <clears throat> For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the very presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.